Welcome, Rob, to Oakland. Uh, we are live from Afrotech in Oakland. Yeah, yeah, Afrotech. I'm excited. Weekend. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's been a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Liege Lounge for letting us have this establishment for a little while. Yeah, Liege Lounge is actually ground zero for Afrotech. Everything Afrotech is right in this yeah. uptown area in old Oakland. Um, we're happy to be here. I'm glad Afrotech came here and decided that Oakland was the best place in uh, the Bay Area, Bay area yeah. to have something like uh, funny part is for Kente and I growing up here in Oakland, oh, like my dad came down to, uh, he remember when they built this uh, Marriott where Afrotech is oh, yeah. being hosted in uh, the yeah. conferences. And he saw all the people, like 6,000 people from all across the country, all these African-Americans here. He's like, this is what this looked like when yeah. they built wow. the Marriott right. here. Like that, that, and when we were growing up, Afrotech was every day, so you, there was no need for an right. Afrotech. But now, there is a need. Yeah. Well, it is. It is, and that's you know when you that's kind of a really great reference point, Shonda. When you think about our community, we've been entrepreneurs, and I think we've lost some of that. You know, uh, before with with uh, before integration, we had to be entrepreneurs because yeah. it was about survival, right. and I would argue it's still about survival. But some of us have gotten comfortable and and and, and have accepted what's in front of us. So uh, I'm sure you guys have seen the study by 2053, if current trends continue. Median black wealth will go to zero. Mm -hmm. Those those are the projections. You know, we started disruption now to dis really to disrupt these kind of narratives and constructs because I don't want to accept that. I don't think we have to accept that. Right. And the only way to really change that is through entrepreneurship. And, and and there's a there's a really great opportunity in this current climate when you look at tech and you, and you look at data. It's an opportunity that if you have the skill set, if you have the vision, and if you have the drive, you can go and you can create that. You can create that opportunity for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe it, I believe this area is going to be the area that's going to help close the gap. But we, as a community, have to be ready. So that's why these conversations, and that's why Afrotech and, and what Afrotech is talking about is so important. Um, so I want to actually talk more about that. Right. You, you know, I know you guys have, as a family, you guys have had generations of businesses, yeah, right. which is I would like that to be the rule instead of the exception. Well, that's that's part of the issue with our African American communities. We don't have generational wealth like even as back far as the Tulsa massacre they call it riots but it, the yeah, massacre, massacre we were building generational wealth and then outside forces came in and didn't want that generational wealth to pass down it was a massacre and a robbery yes it took it took same thing happened in Oakland California our parents were a part of a, a collective of booming African-American businesses in the 80s early 90s mid 90s right when it was at the peak where Oakland was about to become the second chocolate city. Right. Outside forces came in and shut it all down. So it's almost like they see us close to winning and they push us back because they know the power that we have that we don't even know we have. Uh, that's the, well, we we give away know. our stuff. We give away our We give away everything, everything from culture to tech to uh, entrepreneurial ideas. We give it away. As far back as the man who created, the man who created Jack Daniels Whiskey, got the idea yep. from a black man, and the he black did. man just gave it to him. He did. We are great at ideas, they're great at patents. No, that's good. But, then, but there, and there's a couple of things that are, one, there, the, in that case with the Jack Daniels, I mean, he was not, yeah. uh, he could, black African-American right. couldn't have patentship. Right, yeah. and he yeah. didn't have ownership. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the things that we created, um, have been taken and taken credit with and built wealth on, and we haven't been for a Shout out to the Black Bourbon Society. I actually had a podcast on them and talk, talk, talked about that but too. But what's nice. important as far as, it's fine to have entrepreneurship, but if you have a business and people aren't supporting exactly. it, that's yeah. the problem. Like we have to, 
after slavery, we didn't have a choice. Everybody was about their community. When there was segregation, you had to spend money in African-American businesses because that's all you could go to. Now you have choices. Now we have to condition our generations that they have to spend money strategically in their community. Right. Yeah. What The reason why that number says in, 2000, in 2053 will be extinct financially because the way we spend, we Correct. spend $1.7 trillion as a culture but we spend Outside. six hours. Six hours. Our dollar. Our dollar only lasts around six hours in our community. Yeah. We're in the um, Asian and other community. Asian community is thirty days. Thirty days. So yeah. as soon as they Jewish get a dollar, it goes days. in. A, it goes yeah. around for a month. Yeah. The Jewish no, it's not. It's like I think it's fifteen yeah. days. And then um, the Hispanic community was seventeen days. And at hours are for our community. Right. So yep. we continue spending and not being strategic in how we spend our money. Like every business here should be overflowing. Every black business here should have been overflowing with people here. Yeah. Right. Six thousand people just coming, new people coming without, and it's four hundred thousand people in Oakland. Mm -hmm. So that's and then addition to. Yeah. So that spin, we'd have to track and see how many black businesses gain from that spin. Yeah. Right. So if we look and see the numbers and the businesses that are African American owned that are here in Oakland did not benefit to an astronomical from amount from yeah. Afrotech then that is where we got to go back to the wheel because it's yeah. not just having a business, it's actually having us spend in our business. The guy, it was prime example, is the Popeye's chicken sandwich oh, that exploded because everybody realized. Because black people started a trend. Black, black people, people started trends. chicken. Yeah. But uh, a guy in Los Angeles was right across the street where they had an hour and a half line. Right. And he went over with the sign. He said, these people's chicken sandwich is not even as close to as good as mine. I'm right across the street here and there's no wait. No. And yeah. so he... He had to go get some of the customers. Did they come? Because, yeah, some of them came, and some of them were like yours. But they didn't do the after part. Like, they didn't hashtag Charlie's Chicken Sandwich. Right. They didn't do that part, so it never trended. Popeye's Chicken Sandwich is okay. It's just chicken. Some okay hormone injection. It's not better than any of these mom-and-pop African-American uh, diners that make chicken sandwich forever. And you be like, oh, this is phenomenal. But Popeye's makes it and we lose our minds and get behind it, wait an hour and a half for a $3 sandwich that's just a chicken sandwich. Well, as we think about, I think it comes to changing our mindset. Yes, and, and Because we, as a community, we're really good at protesting. I tell folks, we can protest, we can have a march, and I am for protest. Mm -hmm. Protest is nothing wrong with protest, and I think it's a necessary ingredient for systemic change, but yes. it's one. Right. You gotta move past protest, then you gotta, protest is nothing, unless you have policy to actually implement something, but policy is not even sustainable mm -hmm. unless you actually have economic empowerment. Exactly. You own something. That's the only, and, and really making sure we align those is something we as a community still haven't done. And I think that's the next step, understanding and changing our mindset because we've been told that the way we get saved, the way we get equalized is through education. That's also false, mm -hmm. right? Education is still important, right. but What's, what's more important is to have a skill and, and understand entrepreneurship because that's how we really change narratives and we, ch and, and we begin to change outcomes and, and then we begin to change our communities. So yeah, and a couple of points on that. The, the protest has changed because we don't have uh, a, a, a goal with our protest. Yeah. We're just, this target, let's, let's protest target. Well, why? And, and well, it's what, reactive and, too. And it's reactive and what are we getting out of it? Even, and Colin Kaepernick was, has, has a great movement. But what are we getting now? Now that we're in, now that we have the platform, right? What is our message now? What, like the the bus boycott was, we need equal rights, and we're not going to use your buses until we're treated equally on your buses. Yeah. And they stuck it out. Our protests now are, like you said, reactionary. 
And then two weeks, three weeks later, we were like, oh, are we still protesting Gucci? Oh, oh, I thought we were still mad. Right. Yeah, and then everybody, right. and everybody forgot, Gucci, and right. then we get yeah. back to it. And yeah. so part of what we, and I actually want to bring Travis Holloway in, who is really, I think, trying to disrupt an, an industry that has to be disrupted. Mm -hmm. You know, payday loans are Ooh. really predatory to our community. My gosh. They are, right? Yeah. You talk about three, four, five hundred percent. And, uh, you know, so this brother and also Rodney Williams, who's also been on the show, too, mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they both came up with this concept. And I'm going to let him come okay. in. Come on, come on in, man. Well, while he's coming in, I wanted to just explain to the audience what's happening here. Because of Afrotech, it is in Oakland, we decided what sibling rivalry to partner with Disruption Now and have a mashup show yeah. yes. for Af Afrotech Weekend here in Oakland. And we're here at Liege Lounge, which is a black-owned establishment in Oakland, mm -hmm. filming this live. So we're on Facebook Live as well. And so all of that ties into black entrepreneurship and cultivating it not only in, in multiple generations. So our family was four generations of mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. Um, our great-great-grandfather great was out of slavery. He was the son of a slave and a slave owner, and he became a developer in Denver, Colorado. Wow. And so a 19, in 1926, he built a cabin that's still in our family this day. Oh, wow. And so we did a show with our matriarch of our family and our dad and his siblings. Denver, She's Colorado. 95. Um, to tell us how they were able to keep that, just, just that piece of property in the family. Mm -hmm. That's how we and, give up the property, Right, too. and yeah. they strategically kept it, passing it down and passing it down, so it's all in the family from multi-generations that wow. they have to continue to pass it down in the legacy. Mm -hmm. So that's how we can, as a people, continue to, I met a, a group of people in Chicago, they're um, four generations businesses. There's like two families that have been in uh, business in Chicago for four generations and they did the same thing. Yeah. So it's the strategy that we have to have. And so you're going to talk to us about leveraging mm -hmm. equity and, and... Well, beyond that, it's and, about, because I, I think, and I'll let Travis speak, but as a kind of transition, you know, you're, you're very fortunate that that's a, that's a, that's a, unfortunately, blessing. that's a blessing. And that's mm -hmm. not a common story in the black community. We should celebrate it. We should celebrate the fact that you were able to do that. I don't have the same exact story, but <clears throat> my parents uh, definitely built a legacy for me, for me to be able to be here. This is why I have that ability. Like there's just, right. I want to make sure more people have that. Mm -hmm. And one of the issues and why you see that trend with black wealth uh, trending towards zero when it comes to median net worth is because a lot of it is because of debt. And oh, yes. a lot of it, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this brother actually looked at that. He was a financial planner, I believe, before that. So they're actually trying to create an ecosystem. I'm going to let him explain that to disrupt all that and really disrupt the payday loan industry. So I, I think that's really awesome. So you can just talk a little bit about why you think solo, solo funds, right? Yes. Solo funds is the platform. Why is that so important? And what do you want to change through solo funds? Um, <clears throat> uh, I think that solo is important primarily because our communities have been, you know, ravaged by the effects of predatory lending. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, absolutely. And when you look at, you know, black and brown communities specifically, um, who are subject to an average of four hundred percent interest rates. Four hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's the average. The right? average. Yeah, the average is four hundred percent. And you know, when the the problem is, is that you know that is one of our only options, right? Mm -hmm. If you need access to small dollar loans, it doesn't matter how long you've been a J.P. Morgan Chase customer or a Bank of America customer, if your car breaks down and you're $300 short, yeah. those institutions will not lend you that, that type of capital. So, and not only that, when you run out of money, they're going to charge you more capital. Exactly. <laughs> right? So 
Um, yeah, you talk about payday lending, and then you also talk about overdraft fees. It yep. costs you $36 to overdraft by $1. You right. know, you're talking about thousands of percent oh, yeah. um, when you actually look at you know, the effects of, of that. I cost the property. <clears throat> exactly. So it's very expensive to be poor, to your point. So you know, with that said, you know, we, I, I, I said, you know, you know, my co-founders and I, we were having these experiences. And really what, the, what derives, uh, like where this company really derives from is that we were having these personal experiences where people would ask us, for small dollar loans. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about the lack of resources, typically friends and family are the, the top ways that you would solve a short-term cash need right. um, under $1,000 specifically. Um, and I'm sure we probably yeah. all know the effects of <laughs> Until that friends point. and family <laughs> are. You know, right. can't come to the cookout. <laughs> yeah. 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 There, there's pressure when you're the first to make it and you're seen as whatever, rich, wealthy, exactly. relatively speaking, even, even exactly. if you don't feel that way, exactly. to people in your community, you look that way. Exactly. And then there's pressure, kind of a survivor's guilt to figure out how we get back. And, it's, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, right. but then kind of, kind of like the analogy is if you're going down in the plane, you got to put on the oxygen mask first. Exactly, right? exactly, exactly. Right? I mean, so I think your ecosystem is helping to do that and figure out ways to empower people too, uh, because I'm sure, Everyone that's been successful in any way has gone through that. Exactly. And, and so reframing the narrative about how we do this and make people understand this is how we create long-term sustainable wealth for our community. Exactly. Um, you know, one of the unique things about being you know, African-American is that oftentimes, especially with how many of us are first-generation college students, you guys have a long family legacy, which is mm -hmm. incredible. Um, and it's also inspiring and something that I want to create for, for my family. Um, but you know, a lot of times you can be 23 years old and be the most successful person in your right. family. Yep. Right. And, you know, because I wore a suit and carried a briefcase every day, people would <laughs> yeah. automatically exactly. come to me for these loans. Right. And <clears throat> I remember when my co-founder raised his, uh, you know, his Series B, and I remember reading the tagline of, you know, how much he raised. You know, our communities aren't exactly. really familiar with They're like venture. $30 million, and and they're, like, and oh, wait, yeah, like, can, I, can, and, I, can, and, I, can I get a half? And in and, and their heads, that means that you have You're that exactly. money in your that bank. That means you have $30 million yeah. in the bank. That's, yeah. that's now, not is how, it an app that you have, or how right. is it, yes. how are you... Exactly. Raising so, the money from the friends and how, how does that work? It, exactly. So essentially, we wanted to create a way for people to not borrow from friends and family. Right. Right. Uh, because of how stressful and strenuous that is on personal relationships. So we said that there should be an open marketplace created to where anyone can lend or borrow amongst anyone in the country. So essentially, you know, what I realized, my background, again, is in financial planning. And what I realized is that my average client was making between two hundred fifty and five hundred thousand dollars a year. And that no one was calling the person who made 80000 or $90,000 right. a year. Now, that person may live in Kansas City where the cost of living is extremely low. Yeah. And that person has a lot of discretionary, discretionary cash. Mm -hmm. um, those people are often looking for places to invest their capital to earn returns, but they don't know how. So what happens is, is those assets just lie dormant right. um, and they don't make any, you know, any, any returns on that capital. So what we said is, you know, could we find a way to unlock those assets and that capital and pair it with these individuals who need access to small dollar capital mm -hmm. um, where this person could actually earn industry leading returns um, on the lint capital. On the flip side, this person could solve their short term cash needs more affordably than ever. So we are delivered in a mobile application where borrowers actually set their own terms. Because again, you know, predatory demographic that, uh, or predatory industry that we wanted to you know, disrupt. So we allow borrowers to create their own terms. So imagine a single mother who's living in Oakland who may need $100 to you know, pay her utility bill. Right. She can actually come into this platform and post how much money she needs. <clears throat> so she needs $100, she can repay uh, on the 15th of the month, because that's her payday. 
Um, she needs the money for her utility bill. And as an appreciation to whoever helps her, she will throw in, let's say, a 5% or $5 tip. Um, and then for the solo platform, we earn a donation. So let's say that she does a $3 donation to solo or 3%. So essentially, on the, um, at the onset of the transaction, um, a lender says, I'm going to lend them the $100. There's a debit from the lender's bank account and credit directly to the borrower's account. It happens real time. So that borrower now has $100 of real time capital okay. to use. Um, no matter if it's Sunday, Saturday, it's immediate. And, and the then, lender has to agree that, that the terms that the borrower has is... Exactly. So it's a marketplace, right? Yeah, so if right. the lender doesn't like your terms, they just don't fund your loan. They go to a different loan in the marketplace that are, are more favorable. Maybe the, the terms are more favorable for that individual. Now, so. I didn't mean to yeah, catch no, up, no. but what is the difference between that and a crowdsourcing like GoFundMe or something like so that? So the difference is, you know, typically with a, a platform like that, it takes a lot longer to get your money. Okay. Our average loan is funded within two hours because oh. only one person is lending you the money. Okay. When you're crowdfunding, yes. you need a bunch of individuals to commit to your specific transaction, mm -hmm. and it takes a lot longer. So on those platforms, it may take you days for your loan right. to get funded. We're talking about hours, and because we do transfer the funds in real time, yeah. you actually are able to go solve your, your cash needs same day. And I think GoFundMe is, I don't think those are loans either. They're, they're also not yeah, loans. So, not loans. Th so yeah, those are, yeah, yeah, those are essentially mm -hmm. gifts. And right. you know, early on, that's a, that's a good point. Early on, uh, you know, people would say, Travis, I don't think that investors would say, Travis, I don't think people are going to lend strangers money. And I said, well, they're giving money away every day on GoFundMe, giving it away. Well, yeah, and, right. Look, and people said the same thing that about Uber. Nobody's going to jump, jump right. in a, a, a stranger's, jump in a stranger's car. car. Yeah. Exactly. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. Exactly. But, but you, know, you know, talk about disruption and the fact that we haven't really put technology behind our ideas. But I can go to the Pathmark on 125th Street in New York. Actually, they just closed. But I could go there or any other grocery store in New York City. And I walk outside, and there's some random person right. with a Lincoln Town car who's going to say, you need a taxi, I'll give you a ride. That was Uber before Uber. Uber yep. put technology behind that. But you know these gypsy cabs yep. have been around forever. Right. And it's unfortunate that we have these ideas, but we never capitalized yeah. on the real Well, talk about Talk about how that works, because I think yeah. as the mind of an entrepreneur versus an employee, mm -hmm. let's, two questions. One, um, what's your mindset every day in order to survive as an entrepreneur that's different from just being a worker? That's one. And then how do you go about moving forward and just executing on an idea. I'm, people have ideas all the time, but uh, I, but there's probably something that's stopping them. Yeah. What advice can you give them? Those are two-part questions. Yeah, so you know, on, on the, the, the first part of that, I think that, I think all of this actually collectively is the same. I think people are very adverse to taking risks. Um, and because we have been restricted of resources for so long that uh, a lot of our parents will tell us, go get that job that's going to pay you X amount of money yeah. and be safe, right? Go, go, work, go, work, go, work, go, to, go to school, go work for the government, yeah. um, you know, go get that job at Procter & Gamble or GE, and, and you're just going to be safe. And just pray to God every night and thank him the fact that you have that job and just hold on for it, hold on to it for as long as you can. Because from their view, that was seen as yeah, progress, like which makes sense right. if that's yeah. where you, if you come from that era. Exactly, era, my father worked at General Motors for 37 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it worked out for our family. It was very helpful, but you know, I, the mind of an entrepreneur is there's, there's so much risk and there's also 
you have to be a lot more selfless, right? Yeah. Because you know, when payroll is due and you don't have the money, right? Hello. right. right. Yeah, who yeah, doesn't, yeah, who doesn't yeah. get paid yeah. first, right? right. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people aren't willing to, you know, take on that type of sacrifice. Right. No, and I always say this too. I mean, I think it's important to cultivate entrepreneurship in a younger generation and in people for like if they can monetize their passion, that's yes. wonderful. But Everybody isn't made for entrepreneurship, no, and it's, it's okay. No, you know, exactly. it's like you, and, and you don't want to take aren't right. Actually, yeah. It's yeah. a lot, right. right? No, it's, right. it's 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 just as fulfilling as it is. You know, stressful, and it's right. everything has stress. But if you can't deal with the stress that comes it's with owning your own stress. business yeah. and being responsible yes. for livelihoods and people's yeah. livelihoods and all the other responsibilities. Then it's fine. Go work somewhere where you feel, but don't right. go with the misconception that you have this security. Can, that that's you, true. This, this, this misconception of that being a security. Right. But everybody place. can be an owner. Everybody can, everybody can't be an entrepreneur, but everyone can be an owner. So, for example, you can have an opportunity yeah. to invest as a lender. You totally can have an opportunity right. to make because that, that has to be the mindset changing the mindset about wealth like you are not wealthy because you have a job that pays you a lot of money yeah, right you, you are not right, you are right. only wealthy if you have assets you have exactly. period even exactly. A, even as an employee you have ownership of your talents and right. exactly for that company exactly and we've been too long like well i work for the company so that's the, i guess give these ideas away no you can advance in that company right. by yep. owning this is what I bring to the table, and this is how valuable I am to yep. you. Or you can One do point. both. You can own. Yeah. You can all have a business while you're working exactly. for another entity. Yeah. I'm sure that's what you yeah. may have done while you it, were first starting off. You know, I, I wish, right? Are <laughs> <laughs> um, you just jumped all in? I'll hit you with that. The real story is, you know, I thought I didn't really know how this world worked. You know, I was mm -hmm. in traditional finance. And I never heard, I didn't really know what venture capital really was and, and how that's, that system really worked. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I thought that, you know, we had this really strong idea right. and I would keep my full-time job where I was making a very comfortable living. <laughs> right. And I would go pitch investors yeah. and they would say, this is great. And they would just give me money yeah, and then right. I would leave. Yeah. Did it work that way? Um, <laughs> that that sounds like a perfect yeah. plan. Not, not, oh, not, not, not at all, right? the credits. So, Let me guess, it was, yeah. a, it was a bunch of no's before that, right? It was a bunch oh, of yeah. no's. And, and the no's were, were very, you know, confusing to me because they would tell me they really liked the idea and that they would lean in and do it. But, but then they would ask me one question and the question would be are you full-time on this uh, and when I would say no they would politely say let me know when you're serious and hmm. it took me about a year and a half to really realize that um, unless I do this full-time and I jump in and I give this everything that I have mm -hmm. it's not gonna work out and it took me a year and a half and I raised zero dollars and then after committing to going full-time I raised Two hundred fifty thousand dollars within like two weeks. Wow! So and then people from there, invest it's been, in you until exactly. they see that you're invested. Exactly, in your and I understand it because when I when I wasn't working full time, I would be excited about things that don't matter. Oh, I have a redesign of a pitch deck. Um, <laughs> yeah. right. You know, that, and that was like a win for the week. And it's right. like that's that's not you didn't do anything, right? You're not making any real progress. And until my back was against the wall, and I realized that you know if I don't if I don't figure this out, I don't eat. Mm -hmm. um, it became a different level of, uh, of passion, not, not even passion, but just, you know, work yeah. ethic. Let me ask you a question, uh, tech, the technical question, because mm -hmm. like you said, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, some of us at this table have some great ideas, but how do you connect, how did you connect with the tech side, the uh, app side and all of that? Yeah, so I'm not technical by, yeah. by, uh, by trade at all. Mm -hmm. um, and what I realized is that you know, I, I could explain what I wanted to happen very well. Yeah. And I think that when you get into technology and you don't come from a technical background, 
uh, you have to be able to explain very clearly what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, developers speak in very um, direct and black and white language. Yeah. You can tell someone to make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, <laughs> yeah. and you put the peanut butter and you put the jelly, you put the peanut butter on the bread, you put the jelly in the bread, but someone could literally give you two slices of bread and put a jar of peanut butter on one and a jar of jelly on the other and yeah. say, well, I gave you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Right. And <laughs> developer, that's how developers think. They're like, right. I gave you this, right? right? And when you get the actual product, yeah. it's not at all what you want, but they're like, but I gave you what you asked yeah. for. Oh. So, exactly, A, B. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I had to learn how to talk and speak to oh, developers. Okay. Yep. And I think that it's one, it's a very difficult thing to do, but you know, mentors and, and other people who have been doing this for a long time have really helped me with well, that. Your co-founder said something on one of our prior shows that he probably told you this, the most important thing, Rodney, Rodney Williams of Listener and of mm -hmm. Solo Fund said the most important thing entrepreneurs have is learning how to learn. So that's what you, that's what you were doing. Exactly. That, that's your most important skill. And if you can do that and solve problems, you could be an entrepreneur. Exactly. Well, and how does the lender find you and how does the borrower find yeah. you? So primarily our, our, our acquisition strategy has been social media. And mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram have been you know, two of our biggest acquisition channels um, and also the most cost effective. Um, so social media is very big for so us. So what are you on social media? So we are at Solo Funds, so S-O-L-O. F-U-N-D-S, solo, at Solo Funds on Instagram, Twitter, be a Z um, in there as well as, nah, <laughs> as well as, uh, as well as Facebook. We're on Facebook as well. And so we just, like someone looking to find yeah. money will go to you, and then if I'm interested in lending money, I'll just go to that. And yes, so, so download the app. We're on iOS currently, so if you go to the App Store and type in Solo Funds, we'll pop up. Um, but essentially, if you're a lender, um, you come into the platform and you're able to lend with really no barrier to entry. The, the smallest loan on the platform that is fifty dollars. Nice. So essentially, that's your your barrier to entry is having fifty dollars of discretionary cash to lend. What is the is there a ceiling on? There is a, there's a ceiling on loans currently, which is five hundred dollars. Okay. Eventually, we will go up to one thousand okay. dollars um, for these loans, but currently we're at we're capped at five hundred. And how do you protect the lender in terms of? securing their funds and all that how is there is there a way that you do that yeah so currently it is a a one-to-one -one transaction and on the agreed upon repayment date there's an automatic debit from the borrower's account and you know typically when you lend money to friends and family they have that convenient amnesia when it's time to pay <laughs> right. Right. like what when are you are you no, ex really ex exactly there's no terms around right. any of that there's no structure around right. those loans amongst people that you know so, you know, basically when they select those repayment, state, repayment dates, there's So next time you want to make your cousin a loan, go through solo funds. Yeah. Right, that's a good idea, right. <laughs> exactly. But how, we go, I'm going yeah. to back it up borrower, a little bit. Though. How do we do it? Because, you know, you have folks that be like, yeah, I got it in this account, and then they close that account. So in that case, how does the lender get their, their money? Yeah, so, you know, we're essentially looking at, you know, seasoned accounts. Essentially what we've created is a one-time per transaction credit score. Okay. We believe that, you know, the underbanked demographic and the millennial demographic specifically, and also future generations to come, are being mispriced from a credit standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it's primarily because traditional institutions are looking at historical data of, you know, have you ever bought a house? Have you ever bought a car? Right. Um, do you use credit cards, right? And if you don't fit that demographic or, or if you don't fit those metrics and mm -hmm. qualifications, then 
typically you're unable to borrow. And right. when you live in large metropolitan areas, as, especially as expensive as the Bay Area is, New York City, <laughs> yeah. Los Angeles, people usually don't own their own home. They don't, right. you know, in New York, you definitely don't need a vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, and some people are not, you know, people aren't using credit cards the way that prior generations have. So with right. that said, you know, it used to be normal to be 30 years old and, you know, be married, have a home, two cars and one and a half kids. That's no longer the case. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if an individual grew up in New York City and now lives in Kansas City, um, you know, they may come there and not have any of those traditional metrics that you would be looking for. Never bought a, never bought a house, never bought a car, didn't use credit cards. Right. We're looking at their borrowing activity within our platform to look at their ability to repay those small dollar short term loans okay. with the um, really with the, the angle of providing a path to upward financial mobility to where they can now go get a traditional loan from a traditional institution um, and be able to say that, you know, Travis is more credit worthy than you believe because he's been taking loans on this platform, paying them back on time for the last year. Give him his first credit card with, you know, a small dollar credit limit or give him a more favorable interest rate on a mm -hmm. car loan because he's more credit worthy than you actually think. Um, so, you know, that's essentially how we look at uh, the opportunity here for Solo. Final question. Um, what does success look like for solo funds Absolutely. 10 years in the future? What does that look like? Yeah. So, you know, for us, I think it is the ability to graduate people from this platform. You know, fortunately, but unfortunately, we, we're dealing with a demographic that we will never run out of. There will always be people who need access to small dollar capital. Right. So it does us no disservice to take you from where you are today and get you to a better place financially to where you actually don't need to borrow from solo anymore. Um, you know, in an ideal world, you would leave this platform as a borrower and come back as a lender mm -hmm. and pay it forward, um, which is exciting to us. But, you know, essentially what we are is a data company. And we look at our ability to be able to take this demographic of people who have been, you know, essentially deemed uncreditworthy, even though we believe that they are, mm -hmm. um, and essentially give them, you know, a, 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 a voice and, right. and give them a, a, a financial picture yeah. to where we can actually say, hey, this person is more credit worthy, credit worthy than you think. Um, and using that data to empower our communities to continue to move forward from a financial perspective um, is ultimately the goal. Well, we look, we appreciate you being yes. on both Disruption Now and, and What's Sibling Rivalry. By the way, we're gonna have Travis Holloway eventually at a more in-depth, about hour-long interview on Disruption Now sometime in the future. We're working on that date. Yes. Looking forward to it, and we appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks, Thanks for amazing. coming to Oakland, too. Right. Yeah. 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 It, it's amazing. Huh. Oakland has a very strong culture that yeah. uh, I, did, I wasn't aware of until I it got is. here, but yeah. um, you got don't lose it. But that's why I tell everybody, like they say yeah. New York's play, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. It really is Oakland. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oakland doesn't have all the other stuff yeah. that if you, like even Afrotech, they blew up so much being in Oakland here right. than and even in San Francisco because yeah. San Francisco a conference like that so this size is like okay Whatever. we have yeah. that all the time. Exactly. Oakland is like put your arms around you you yeah, know exactly. it's like come to town it's, it's like yeah. everybody's focus on it so much media and attention that, yeah. that's what happens with it. I've, everything I've, that happens in I've Oakland. I've been at Afrotech the last three years and this year seems so much bigger. Um, than ever before. Because all of the East Bay will come. Like all of Oakland, they tell all their friends as far away as Antioch and yeah. Pittsburgh and Stockton because right. yep. it's an opportunity. Well, if Oakland has it, yes. then we yeah. got to go check it out. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Bye -bye. You know, by the way, you can catch us on YouTube. Oh, yeah. we, have a live, we have a live audience, live, too. Live, live, yeah. Not that we only on Facebook yeah. Live, yeah. we also have a live audience We do audience have a live here. audience. So. And Leeds Lounge, you can still come down, and they are open all throughout yeah. Afrotech yeah. weekend. So Keep it going. Uh, by the way, and 
as we transition to what sibling rivalry, I just want to tell people the example of what Travis Holloway showed us is that you know, nobody's coming to save us. You know, we can, right. nobody's coming. You know, Superman's not coming. <laughs> Iron Man's not coming. The Hulk's not coming. Yeah. Wakanda's not coming. Like, nobody is coming to save us. You know, mm -hmm. we have to save ourselves. We have to create these platforms. We have to create these opportunities because it's not going to happen any other way. Right. So I, I think that's one example. But there are, there are more than one Travis Holloway. Oh, he can yes. do it. Others can do yeah. it, too. And we just got to get past this mindset. Uh, we got to get past the fear. And we have to change how we go about these problems mm -hmm. and change our perspectives. And I, and I know we can. Yes. So. Also, these are, we'll re-air on our podcast. Yes. On What Sibling Rivalry Podcast is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but also on our YouTube. You'll see, you'll be yes. able to see it again. If you're having a hard time hearing it on Facebook yep. Live, you'll be able to air it again. And yeah. then it'll be on, now. it'll be on Disruption Now. You can go to disruptionnow.com. It'll be on YouTube. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, we are available. Please subscribe. Uh, look, we want to we want to really disrupt these constructs and narratives, particularly around Black people and people of color, because uh, we have to do this. And it's actually it's not just be, it's not just best for African Americans and people of color. It's better for America if we if we and when we close the racial income inequality gap, it's going to help the whole United States. Right. The GDP goes up for everybody. Oh, right. It's well, it's a it's a win win but, thing. But that's well, we my win, thing with African American anything that has helped Black people has helped everybody. Right. Yeah, I, correct. You can't yes. think of anything yeah. that's helped just We're black people and people. no one else has yeah. been helped. I mean, everything that has helped us, everybody's benefited from. Yeah. I would argue some others have benefited and, more. And in the case yeah. of integration, right. Yeah. So yeah. We actually movement. Yeah. opened yeah. up doors to benefit others and hurt ourselves, yeah. Yeah. you know, so. And because you, something you said really, uh, Kente, really kind of moved me earlier when, when you were discussing the Popeye's chicken. So mm -hmm. my mother, uh, used to own a restaurant, right? All right, uh, and she owned a restaurant right here, and then right across from the restaurant was a uh, was actually a nightclub, and it was a white-owned establishment. Yeah. All right, so it, it was nothing but black people that would go to oh, it. Of so like every night, like people would line up, blocking the, the door. Place? Yes. Yes. Her and, door. Yes, and wait, and then not even getting food, it, 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 and not even getting, and not even entertaining food, right. which is crazy. Yeah. You know, because right. a lot of our clients were actually it was the first job I had as a waiter mm -hmm. there. We're not black, they were white. Yeah. Right. It's just, well, you know, we have to learn, we have to value us. Exactly, and we, we put these astronomical ideals on what we think a black business should serve us, but that we don't accept anywhere else. Like if you go to a yep. black beauty supply store, you expect them to come to the door, never have attitude, be perfect, and all their prices to be half off. Right. But you go to another beauty supply store, they can talk to you anyway, it's documented on social media, they can cuss you out, they can they can spit at you, and you'll go back. And you accept it. Yeah. Because it's learned, it's learned behavior, it's learned, behavior yeah. learned helplessness. Mm -hmm. We have to learn to support each other. We have to learn to support our community. We have a lively crowd here. Yeah. Uh, we <laughs> have to learn we have to learn to support our, our, our own community and understand our values. We talk about trends. Black people really do create trends. Right. Nearly nearly everything. Hip hop. Yes, everything. Yeah. Rock and roll, jazz. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All that stuff. Hip hop started in New York and now it's a global phenomenon. There, yes. there are kids in Asia that are making oh, multi-million dollars. Yeah. Can't speak a word of English Can't but speak know every rap song yeah. lyrics word for word. Yep. And, yeah. and some of them are artists now. Oh yes. You know, yes. emulating some things that they shouldn't like because a lot of them say the N-word right. and stuff like that. But right. that's yeah. a whole other podcast. Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, we start trends. Mm -hmm. But it's about making sure the money comes to us just doesn't flow through, through us. us. Yeah. 
And that's what we got to figure out how to change and change our, and change our mindset and change how we really go about mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. Now that's should be attacked, not the money that comes through us. What is it? Yeah, the it, money that yeah. comes uh, instead of flowing through us comes to us. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's right. what it is. Yeah, that's, that's what happens. There yeah. it is. We go.